Today we're going to close out our Free Indeed series. And we're going to, I'm excited about closing out. We're going to finish strong today on this, on this series. So on your key passage, on your notes, on the screen, John chapter 8, Jesus said uh, to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. You know, these people had become believers in Jesus Christ. They're Christians. But notice that becoming a Christian is not the end goal. Believing in Christ starts the process. Because Jesus says, you believe in Christ, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. In the Greek there, knowing the truth is a, it's, it's an ongoing future process. So believing starts the process of spiritual growth and discipleship. Salvation starts the process of growing up in Christ. The Bible uses the expression from glory to glory. We would say from level to level. It's a process of growth. But this idea of needing to grow spiritually these, upset these Christians. They pushed back on it a little bit. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be free? They say, we're not slaves. We're Abraham's descendants. It'd be like one of us saying, I'm not a slave. My grandpa was a pastor. I'm not a slave. I'm an American. You know, but you can't be free indeed if you don't come to grips with the reality that you can indeed be in bondage. You've got to break out of the denial and recognize your one thing, your area of sin that you struggle with. Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you. He's like, no, really, really, guys. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. And Jesus brought everyone who thinks that they are excused from the conversation back into the conversation. Because all of us have that one thing that we struggle with. Sometimes we think that because we all struggle with sin, that sin is no big deal. We, we, we kind of get this pack mentality. We start comparing ourselves with one another. Well, my friend Margaret, she gossips more than I do, so I'm okay. Or the guys at work, they smoke more pot than I do, so I'm okay. Or we, we think just because something is legal that it's okay. You know, divorce, abortion, pot, same-sex marriage, just because a state legislature or even the Supreme Court say something is legal, that doesn't mean it's not sin. You, you aren't going to give an account of your life to the Supreme Court. You're going to give an account of your life to the Supreme Being. And your sin is a big deal, even the little ones. Because one day, you will personally give an account to God for your sin. God's not going to grade on the curve. You're going to sit down for a one-on-one -on -one interview, and God's going to hold you accountable for how you dealt with your one thing. Because sin affects your relationship with God, even the little ones. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family. When you're a slave to your one thing, it diminishes your relationship with Christ. Your one thing robs you of the benefits that can be yours in Christ, both here on earth and eternally in heaven. It has an impact. That's why it is a big deal. But a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be, say it with me, free indeed. Jesus says you don't have to live with that one thing. He says you can be free indeed. How? 
Well, in the first week of this series, we talked about how there are two parts of you. There's the physical part and there's the spiritual part. Now, if you haven't placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, all you got is the physical part. Okay? You don't even have a spiritual part to work with. That part comes alive when you believe in Jesus Christ. But when you believe in Christ, you still got the two parts. Cartoons will depict it as like an angel with a halo and wings on this shoulder and a little devil with horns and a pitchfork on this one. And, you know, they're, 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 they're both speaking into your life. The strategy for spiritual growth is the discipline of prayer and fasting. Because with prayer and fasting, you feed the spirit and you starve the flesh. You connect with God through prayer and you disconnect from, from the world through fasting. Preferably in the area of your one thing. And then in week two, we talked about how the only tool the devil has is lying. And he just tries to fill your mind up with lies. And so you have to work to replace the devil's lives with the truth of Christ. And then in week three, we we talked about how the devil waits for you. He just waits for you to open the door crack so he can get a foothold, so he can get a place in your life. And the three doors that he always comes in are through your passions... That's that's the lust of the flesh, it's your appetites, your desires, your feelings. It's through possessions. That's called the lust of the eyes. You see pretty things, you want to buy them, you want to own them. And through your pride. That's the pride of life. And so we have to work to shut those three doors, and we shut those three doors through integrity, generosity, and humility. Now today we're going to look at how do you stay free. Because it's very common to break free in the area of your one thing and then to wind up right back in it. I mean, you've experienced that. I mean, here we go again. Okay? So Jesus uh, talks about this in, in Luke 24, 16. He says, when an evil spirit leaves a person, it goes into the desert searching for rest. But when it finds none, it says, I will return to the person I came from. So it returns and finds that its former home is all swept and in order. You know, it returns and it finds you're there clean and sober. You're there healthy and and, and making progress. You're you're making uh, 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 strides against your one thing. You're free. I really don't like this next verse. It says, then the spirit finds seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they all enter the person and live there. And so that person is worse off than before. You ever experienced that with your one thing? You know, you break free, you make real progress, and then next thing you know, you're worse off than you were before. Now, Jesus is not giving us this information because it has to happen this way. Jesus is giving this information so it doesn't happen this way. This is a warning verse. This is a warning verse that tells you that when you experience freedom from your one thing, don't think the freedom fight is over. This here-we-go-again cycle can be broken. First, if you're aware of it, and you can win this battle if you fight it. But you can't just surrender or you'll lose it. And this cycle happens in almost every area of life. It happens personally in the lives of people. It happens in the lives of churches. It happens to governments and countries and even empires. It is an observable cycle in history, in life. What is it? Well, the first part is freedom. Freedom! You know, there's just a little blue-faced, brave-heart guy in every one of us, okay? You know, we just just love freedom. 
And, you know, the Spirit of God awakens a sense of freedom in us. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Second part of the cycle, and you see it in people, you see it in countries, is prosperity. Because where there is freedom, prosperity flourishes. It may be financial prosperity, but it's not limited to that. Where where there is freedom, relationships prosper. Marriages, families prosper. Thought and ideas and creativity prosper. Everything flourishes under freedom. But prosperity can bring pride and complacency. You open the door, you make a place for the devil. And you let your guard down. You grow complacent in your freedom. You, you stop fighting for it. And it leads right back to the start of the process. Now you've got bondage. And if you study history, if you look at countries, businesses, culture, churches, even families, you'll see this cycle of freedom, prosperity, bondage. It happens over and over again. So how do you break that cycle so that you can stay free? If you know your church history, you know this cycle happened even to the early church. Uh, The Old Testament law was very oppressive, very hard. It was so hard, in fact, they couldn't do it which is exactly why God uh, instituted the law. He wanted people to learn that you can't get right with God through your own effort. So the purpose of the Old Testament law was to set things up for Jesus to come and offer us the gospel of grace and truth and freedom. And so the early church responded to the freedom that Christ offered, but they couldn't handle the freedom. And so they tried to go back to the law. They tried to go back into bondage. And Paul had to write a whole book of the Bible. The book of Galatians addresses the issue of bondage versus freedom. Law versus the gospel. Galatians 5.1 says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. You've got to stand firm. Otherwise, you're going to repeat the cycle. You're going to slide right back into it. But you can break the cycle of your one thing. How? Well, freedom comes to us in two forms, and you've got to have both. And first, freedom is a moment where God touches you. And we've talked about that in this series, that there is a moment where God steps in and delivers you from your bondage. But freedom is not just about deliverance in the moment, it is also about discipleship. Freedom's not just a moment, it, it is a process. And in order to stay free, you've got to work the process. And so today, I'm going to use a very familiar Bible story to just explain this journey. And the story is so familiar, I hesitated to use it because I don't want you to just, oh, okay, it's the prodigal son. I've heard that a hundred times. I'm just going to check out. Don't do that. Don't do that. Because I I decided to use it because this is an excellent example of this process and what we've been talking about these three weeks. So you're going to see new things out of this old story. So there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. So the younger son got impatient. He got greedy. We talked about this last week. He fell into the devil's trap of the lust of the eyes, possessions. He says, I want my inheritance. I want my inheritance now, even though dad's not dead. He's impatient. He's greedy. And notice, the father divided the inheritance between them. So he gives the younger son his money, and at the same time he gives the older son, the older brother, his money as well. You need to remember that later in the story. 
Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. Talked about that last week. This is the lust of the flesh. This is your passions, your appetites, your desires. The younger son spent all his money trying to make his flesh happy. And you, you can never spend enough money to satisfy the flesh. You just can't. Look, it says, after he had spent everything, say that word with me, everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. There it is. There's the cycle. Freedom, prosperity, bondage. And then this son did something. He did something that every one of us needs to do. And I need you to write this down. This is an outline you need to keep. This is an outline you need to keep for the rest of your life. Just stick it in the Bible because you're going to need to work this process over and over and over again. So you need to keep this outline. The first thing you need to put down there is the son that says you must admit that you need help. You've got to admit you need help. And you must admit it to God and to at least one other person. Okay? Many people say, well, I'm, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to open up about my one thing to somebody else. I'm just going to keep it to myself. And I'll just tell you, if, if that's your approach, you will always be in bondage. You will always be in bondage. Because one of the secrets to freedom is we've got to let down our pride and admit to God and at least one other person that you have a need. And watch what happens with the prodigal son here. Because at first, he doesn't do this. He doesn't get help. He tries to help himself. So he went out and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. You know, you try to hide your one thing, you try to handle it with yourself, you're going to wind up eating pig food. It's not going to work. But the next verse is key, this next phrase. It says, when he came to his senses. And I'm just telling you, every one of us needs to have a moment. We need to have a moment where we say, enough, enough already. I'm no longer going to be the macho, macho man. I'm no longer going to be superwoman and try and do this in my own strength, hiding my one thing from everybody else. I got to admit I need help. I admit I need help. He said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death? You will never be free indeed if you refuse to admit your need. That's one of the main reasons why we have, why we have Celebrate Recovery. We've got a great Celebrate Recovery ministry here. meets every Wednesday night. This is one of the main reasons we have small groups. I mean, you may think small groups are trying to, about giving you a place to go to a Bible study. No, it's about far more than Bible study. Small groups, celebrate recovery, step study groups, those are about providing you with a place where you can connect with other people to get close enough to share your need. It's about you getting close enough to someone to be able to open up and share your one thing. You, and you've got to move into that environment. And some of you dread that environment for that very reason. You know, you're afraid to open up and share about your one thing. But if you don't, you'll never be free indeed. Now, you don't have to share your one thing with the entire group. Okay? The goal isn't that you, know, you share it with everybody. Just look around the group. Look for a couple of guys who look like they're worse off than you. <laughs> and then just you know, call those guys aside and say, Hey, I noticed you guys are screwed up. I just wanted you to know I'm screwed up too. Okay? And you just open up about, about your one thing. 
And great things are going to happen when you do that. Because life change always happens in relationships. Recovery always happens in community. But if you're going to break the cycle, then you've got to do the second thing that the young son did. You can't just open up. Number two, you must humbly repent to God and others. And notice there's two places that you've got to repent. To God and to others. Look how this plays out for the young son. He says, I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, that's God, and against you. And the son realized that he couldn't just work this out between himself and God. That's one of the biggest misconceptions in Christianity. Me and God, we got this. Me and God, we got this figured out. Me and God, we don't need you involved in my life, especially not in the area of my one thing. But God has designed a different system than that. His system. And to break free, yes, you need God. Because God can do something people can't. God can forgive you of your sins. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Forgiveness, cleaning you up, purifying you. That's God's part. But if you just confess your sin to God, that doesn't keep you from doing it again. I mean, you've seen that happen in your life over and over again. You confess it to God, he cleans you up, and the next thing you know, we're gay God, clean me up again. You've got to do the second thing in the process, James 5.16. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be, say it with me, healed. Because the goal is not just to be forgiven. The goal is to be healed. And healing, healing is what keeps you from doing it again. And so there is a supernatural power that is unleashed when believers in the body of Christ come together. There is power in confessing to one another, in holding one another accountable, in in humbly repenting to one another. And repenting here, it's a misunderstood concept. Repentance doesn't just mean coming to God and saying, I am so sorry. No, it's, it's more than that. It's that, but it's far more than that. To repent, in the Greek, it literally means to change your mind. You change your mind about your one thing. Used to think it was okay. Used to think it was no big deal. Used to think everybody else did it. Used to think, hey, it's legal. I used to think, there's no way I can break free from this. But now I've broken out of my denial. I've admitted it is sin. It is a big deal. It's not okay. And I can be free from it. That's repentance. Now that kind of repentance doesn't happen immediately. It doesn't happen overnight. It happens over time and it happens in relationships. The Bible says iron sharpens iron. Now if you don't have those kind of relationships in your life, you can come to God and say, I'm so sorry till you're blue in the face. But you're not going to be healed because you're not following God's process. You've got to admit your need and humbly repent to God and to other people. And now the next two steps, these are maintenance steps. And you've got to know these. I hate to tell you this, but the devil is never going to stop lying to you. The flesh is never going to stop tempting you. The world is never going to stop trying to press you into its mold. And so you're going to have to fight this battle. This battle will rage every day in your life. So you need these two maintenance steps. 
Number three, you must daily choose to reject Satan's lies. This is a part of the, the story most people don't read. This is a cool part. It says, meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. You see what happened right here? Right here. The older brother has slipped into bondage. He went from freedom to prosperity to bondage. He's become so angry that it has damaged his relationship with his father and with his brother. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you. Circle that word slaving. Don't you love the melodramatic language that people use when their feelings are hurt? And this brother says, I have been slaving for you for years. Your kids ever spring that one on you? You know, hey, could you mow the yard or take out the trash or do your chores? And, yes, master. You know, I'm, what am I, your slave? Well, let's have a little conversation here. Okay? You know, you live here. You eat your meals here. We buy your clothes for you. Your mother does your laundry. Our taxes pay for your schooling. I don't think you're a slave. Okay? But, but look at this, this, this extreme language. He says, I've been slaving for you for years and never disobeyed your orders. Never disobeyed. Now, unless this guy is Jesus, he just lied. Okay? He's just lied. Yet you never gave me even a young goat. You, you're giving my profligate brother the fattened calf. You're throwing a party for him, but you never even gave me a goat to eat with my friends. Now, you need to recognize that this brother has listened to lies in his life. first lie he's listened to is the pride of life. I never disobeyed your orders. That's, that's the lie of pride coming out in his life. Second lie he listened to is the lust of the eyes. Possessions. I want, I want. You never even gave me a goat. That's a lie. That's a lie. Remember earlier in the story when the father divided his money between, between the young son and the older son? In Jewish culture, you would automatically give the oldest son double what you gave everybody else. He got double. And the father's thinking, I never gave you a goat. I gave you two-thirds of the company. I never gave you a goat. I gave you a flock of goats. He says, my son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. He says, I've already given it all to you. The older son had believed the devil's lies. And I'm telling you that, that given the power of a lie in your life and given that the devil is never going to stop lying to you, you must daily choose to reject Satan's lies or you're never going to be free indeed. Next maintenance step, number four. You must daily choose to receive God's truth. And you've got to know what the truth is. The story outlines for it. I mean, this is, this is one of the cool things in, in, in looking at this story in this context. And it says, but the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Now, the father in this story represents God, and God has three things that he wants to give you in order to help you stay free. The first one is the robe of righteousness. 
You know what the robe of righteousness is? It's how you view yourself. It's how you view yourself. Because the truth is, you don't see things as they really are. You see things as you see yourself. Everything you see in life goes through the filter of how you see yourself. And that's why it is vitally important that you see yourself, not as you see yourself, but as God sees yourself. If you see yourself as a slave to sin, if you see yourself as a slave to your one thing, if you see yourself uh, unable to break free, that's a lie. That's not true. You need to see yourself as God sees you, and God sees you cloaked in the robe of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. He doesn't see you as a sinner, a slave to your one thing. He sees you as righteous. And if you want to live your life in a new way, you have to see yourself the way God sees you. You've got to put on the robe of righteousness. Next, he gave him a ring of authority. A ring of authority. If you ever watch any of those old Roman movies, you know, like Ben-Hur, you know, in those movies, often they'll, they'll put a ring on, on, on the finger. And it's a family ring. It's a signet ring. There's a seal, an impression on the ring. And, and that ring is a symbol of authority. It's like, almost like a credit card. I mean, you bought something, you, you would take that ring, you would press it into the, into the clay, into the contract, and that impression meant that you had the authority to make that decision. And some of you may not know this, but when you trust in Christ, you have his ring on. You have his ring on. You have access to the most powerful name in the universe, the name of Jesus Christ, and you need to use it. You need to use it. You know, people ask me to pray for them, like I've got some kind of special power in prayer as a pastor, but I don't have any power you don't have. And it's not so much that I pray for you and things happen. It's more that just together in the name of Jesus Christ with the authority we both have, we pray in agreement and things happen. But you need to know you've got the ring on. You have the authority of Christ. And so when the world, the flesh, and the devil you know, lie to you, you've got the authority to tell them, hey, stop it. I am not believing those lies because of the authority of Jesus' name. You have gifts and power and authority you don't even know you have. But instead of using them, you're surrendering. You're surrendering to your one thing. When really, it's time for it to go. It's time for the world, the flesh, and the devil to go. And in Jesus' name, get out of here. Leave me alone. Next is the shoes of peace. And I love this part. You know, when the son came home, he was poor. He was penniless. He was shoeless. And his feet were calloused and bloody and dirty and sore from the long walk home. And one of the things that the father did for him is he washed his feet. And it says he gave him sandals to put on his feet. Ephesians 6 says that one of the parts of the spiritual armor that we need to put on, every day we're to put on the shoes of the gospel of peace. The gospel of peace. Enough of this chaos, enough of this clamor and clatter of sin. God wants me to walk in peace. I'm putting on the shoes of the gospel so I can walk in peace. So we close out this series. I'm going to pray a prayer, a freedom prayer over you today. You know, we've invested four weeks in this series, and I want us to take full advantage of, of the work that God is doing here. I want us just to have a deliverance moment here at Rockbrook. And so I am just earnestly, earnestly going to pray for your freedom today. 
And if you want to receive God's gift of freedom, I invite you during this prayer, just put your hands out just, just as, as an act of receiving from God. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we just bow and worship and praise before you. Together with this congregation, I, I surrender completely and unreservedly every area of my life to you. God, I take a stand against the workings of Satan in my life. I resist all the endeavors of Satan and his wicked spirits to rob this church of fulfilling your purpose. God, together today, we take a stand against every spirit of bitterness, unforgiveness, resentment, hate, malice, envy, jealousy, any spirit of insecurity, inferiority, fear or rejection, self-pity, anger, rage, murder or violence. Break the power of sexual immorality, impurity, adultery, fornication, lust, and pornography. We break the spirits of pride, lying, rebellion, deception, manipulation, control, criticism, judgmentalism. Every spirit of arrogance, racism, bigotry, greed, materialism, selfishness, and selfish ambition. God, today we break the spirit of depression, mental anxiety, suicide, self-hate, self-destruction. In Jesus' name, we break the spirit of addiction, dependency, alcoholism, drunkenness, drugs, pot, obesity. We speak against rebellion to religious authority, stealing, unlawfulness, laziness, slothfulness, unbelief, guilt, shame, embarrassment, humiliation, every negative word that has ever been spoken against you, God, today we break it in the name of Christ. Every curse or spell or act of witchcraft, blasphemy, sickness, disease, infirmity, and chronic health issues, we break in the power of Jesus' name. And God, today we choose to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, to pull down every thought, every lie that exalts itself against the knowledge, the truth of Christ. And God, we invite into ourselves a sound mind, the mind of Christ. Today, if you're here and you're far from God, you may not even know if you're a Christian. Right now, right here today, just pray. Say, Jesus, save me. Admit it. I need your help. I'm in bondage. I cannot do it without you. Come into my life. Set me free. Today, I surrender it all to you. Thank you, Lord, for setting me free. In Jesus' name, amen. Give God some glory. Give him some glory. Amen. God, you have set us free.